Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mysteries the sequel by Jeffrey Deaver. Read by Perry F. Bruns. Finally, he strode into the familiar dim hallway into his office, swinging the door open and smiling like a gold medal Olympian. Caitlin looked up from her desk and burst into tears. It's been stolen, Frederick. The copy, too. They're both gone. Numb but struggling to remain analytical, Frederick Lowell was playing detective once again. WWSSD. The door had been forced open sometime last night or early this morning with a crowbar or other tool. Nothing but the box with the manuscript and the copy from Caitlin's desk drawer had been taken. The thief wanted only Anderson's hope. File cabinets and drawers had clearly been examined, though, probably to make sure there were no other copies. But who was the thief? Word that he'd been on the trail of the sequel to Cedar Hills might have spread, but he couldn't imagine a publisher stealing the manuscript. Any editor attempting to bring the novel out himself would get hit by a copyright claim, 
not to mention risk arrest for breaking and entering. It had to be for some other reason. Absently stirring a dusting of grit on the windowsill, Lowell stared down at all that existed of Anderson's hope, the title and first few paragraphs of the novel. Was it possible that someone did not want the manuscript published? But this made no sense. It was in everyone's interest to see the sequel in print. Everybody would make money, the name of Edward Goodwin would be perpetuated, the fans would be ecstatic. Lowell's eyes locked on the facts of the sequel's title page. And then he started as if he'd been slapped. No. Impossible. In the upper left-hand corner was the date 8-2-67. August 2nd. Two months after Edward Goodwin died. And suddenly a terrible scenario loomed, that someone else had written the sequel, which raised the even more earth-shattering question. Was it possible that Goodwin had not authored Cedar Hill's Road itself? Lowell felt within him dread, almost a physical illness as a chilling question arose. Was the real author of the classic novel John Everett Coe the man who had murdered and dismembered his mother? As horrifying a thought as this was, it made sense. The box containing the manuscript was shipped from Statesville, where the prison was located. Goodwin had never written a word of fiction until he'd met the prisoner. Cedar Hills, and the sequel, were written during the months when Goodwin was visiting Coe on a regular basis. And he hadn't returned to his home in Chicago to write the book. He'd worked in Asheville, North Carolina, largely alone, away from anyone who might have noticed that he was perhaps not actually writing the book at all, but polishing words written by somebody else. As for John Coe, he'd been a savant, Lowell recalled, who in his lucid moments wrote his own appeals and critically acclaimed poetry. And Goodwin had lent the man his typewriter, purportedly to write legal documents, but possibly also to help him pen the novels. Malone reported that the typewriter and the style of writing were consistent from one book to the next, yet Goodwin had never written any other fiction, so there was no other typescript for comparison. Goodwin also struggled with writer's block. The sequel was delayed, he reported, on a number of occasions because Goodwin was waiting for his muse to speak to him. Well, apparently he did have a muse, one who just happened to be a murderer. But why would Coe write the novels? Was it his way of giving back to the man who regularly came to prison to see him? Who spent hours and hours speaking with the killer? Listening to him? Treating him like a human being despite the terrible crime he'd committed? Lowell sat back, eyes closed, still struggling to come to terms with his realization. My God. The author of one of the most beloved books in the history of the novel might in fact have been a psychotic killer. As for who'd perpetrated the theft, Lowell believed he had the answer to that, too. The siblings. Stoddard, most likely. Lowell had texted him last night about the find. If the sequel were published, revitalizing Goodwin's career and a critical examination of the two books, it might come to light who the true author was, and the publishing contracts would be cancelled. They'd receive no more royalties. Publishers might even sue them for refunds if it could be proven they knew that Goodwin wasn't the author, and it wasn't unlikely that Dr. Samuel Coe, as John's heir, might sue for all the royalties the book had earned over the years. At the very least, he might demand a huge settlement. Lowell hurried from the office. No longer in private detective mode, he was now a cop. An hour later, Lowell was in another rental car, angrily bounding over the rough approach to the shack in Westchester. He noted several cars outside, one he didn't recognize, 
Maybe it belonged to the thief they hired. He couldn't imagine Stoddard sneaking into his office in the middle of the night himself. For a moment, he wondered if he could be in danger, but Frederick Lowell didn't care. He was furious. He skidded to a stop, strode through the mud up to the door, and pounded on it. There was a shuffle of sounds from inside. Who is it? It's Frederick. As soon as Stoddard opened the door, Lowell pushed inside, looking around with a frown as if he'd spot the manuscript half-hidden under the couch. Stoddard blinked and said, This is a surprise. You could have called, Beth said, clearly put out by his presence. Anna looked him over with, for a change, sober eyes. Today, it seemed, she was actually drinking coffee from the coffee mug. Her face glowed. Did you bring it? We're very excited. Lowell hoped that the perpetrators of the theft were Stoddard and Beth only. He liked Anna and was rooting for her innocence. Her comments suggested that she knew nothing of the crime. Or, like many addicts, perhaps she was a very, very good actress. Stoddard was more blunt. What's all this about? His role would require him to be both confused and irritated by the unexpected presence. He'd probably be prepping his indignation, too. The other man, the thief, was Burley. He rose and turned toward Lowell. Was he about to be shot or beaten to death? But Lowell's anger possessed him, and he ignored the large man. Where is it? he demanded, staring into Stoddard's eyes. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>